This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome in to episode 32 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway, on this Thursday, December 12th, 2019. Folks, finals are over at the University of Alabama. That is a reason for celebration. You're listening to the Galloway Podcast. That's another reason for celebration. And Rick Carley is joining the podcast here momentarily, a third reason for celebration. I hope you're all having a great Christmas season, ready for the New Year's 2020 is is literally right around the corner. Excited for that. But before we get into the New Year's, we're going to talk some football and we're going to talk some sports. This is the Galloway Podcast. Glad you've chosen to listen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. I appreciate you listening to the Galloway Podcast. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of today's show, so let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's get started. We're going to start talking about college football, looking at the SEC championship, the playoff rankings, what's wrong with expanding the college football playoffs. That's not happening, but I'm going to tell you why it's wrong. We're going to look at the coaching circus and the carousel that's been going on around the SEC and around the world of college football just in this past week. Preview the Alabama Bowl game uh, against Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. Talk to Rick Carley, the new morning news anchor for WVTM 13 in Birmingham. The longtime sportscaster will join the podcast, kind of talk some Alabama football, talk sports, and talk about his new job. And then afterwards, we'll talk a little Tide Hoops and then kind of wrap things up. This will be the final Galloway podcast episode of the 2019 calendar year. And so, on that note, let's go ahead and get it started. I'm glad you're listening. Really appreciate all you listeners here on the Galloway Podcast. First things first, the SEC Championship, LSU steamroll Georgia. I mean, absolutely made them look silly. And what's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But... Georgia is currently ranked number five in the college football playoff. There is something wrong with that. There is something wrong when you lose to Joe Burrow and number one LSU by 27 and you're still ranked in the top 10 when you're a two-loss program. I have so many problems with that, and we're going to get into it, but I have a lot of problems with the college football playoff rankings outside one through four, and it really starts with Georgia. But looking at that SEC championship game, LSU played a great game. Sure, Georgia had you know an injury bug here and there, but LSU's dominant. I mean, there's no doubt they're the best team in the country. They're going to prove that, and I think they're just going to roll to a national championship, which is great for their program. It's great for the SEC, but that game, Georgia didn't have a prayer all game long. Even if they were 100% healthy, they couldn't have done it. Joe Burrow, Ed Orgeron, the Tigers were too good. They are too good, and I think they will prove that here in the college football playoff. Now, Looking at the college football playoff rankings, obviously we know Alabama is sitting down below at 13. They got bumped for some reason. I'm going to get into that. We know Auburn is sitting at 12. LSU, of course, is up there at 1. But, y'all, what in the world is Georgia doing at 5? I mean, 
I think I think five through thirteen is just a jumble, and the committee looked at it and said, you know, this this will work, this will do, we can afford this, and it's like they put no thought into it at all. I mean, you look at Alabama. Let's start with Alabama, ranked thirteenth. Reese Davis said on the college football playoff selection show this past Sunday, he said, "quote The Crimson Tide got punished, punished," and he's not wrong. Sure, Reese Davis is a graduate of the University of Alabama, but the tide got punished. 13? You really think there are 12 better teams in the country than the University of Alabama football program? Get out of here. Get all the way out. Rob Mullins, the committee chair, cited Alabama's losses to ranked teams as the reason it dropped. Well, Alabama lost to number one and number 12 by a combined eight points. I'm so serious about this, and it's, it's a fact. Eight points to two elite college football programs this year. Yes, Auburn played a really hard schedule and ended up with a 9 and 3 record. They're an elite program because they had they faced elite competition. LSU is obviously the best team in the country as I said, but Alabama dropping to 13. I mean, you look at a team like Utah, 11 and 2. And they're ranked 11. They lost to Oregon, who's ranked 6, by 22 in their conference championship. 22 points. If you lose to anyone by 22 points, I don't care if it's number 1 LSU. I don't care if it's number 350 so-and-so, so-and-so state. You lost by 22. It, that, that has no justification. In the Pac-12, too. That has no justification for you being ranked above a team like Alabama, whose losses are to LSU and Auburn by a combined 8 points. I, it's folks, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to get over this. This is this is bugging me. This is bothering me. And I'm not looking through crimson colored glasses. I'm looking at at it from a reality like Alabama is a top 10 program in the country and got absolutely just punished like Reese Davis said with this 13th ranking. Utah also lost to USC by 7. USC's ranked number 22 in the country. Uh, I was picking on Georgia. Georgia lost to South Carolina. That's something I, I too, am not over. 20-17 to 17 in overtime. And then, like I said, in the SEC championship, Georgia absolutely got the dog beat out of them by LSU. I mean, they got their backsides handed to them by the Tigers in Atlanta. Like, didn't even have a prayer. Never mind the injuries that they had in the game. Alabama was banged up against LSU and had nearly every opportunity to win the game until they shot themselves in the foot and couldn't do it. So I don't want to hear Georgia saying, oh, we were injured, whatever. Georgia doesn't deserve to be number five. Head-to-head, like, in common opponents, Alabama and Georgia, South Carolina. Look what Alabama did to South Carolina, and look what Georgia, you know, did against South Carolina. I mean, just two completely different, and they're two lost teams. They're both two lost teams. And you're telling me that Georgia is seven, excuse me, eight spots better than Alabama? Get out of here. Get out. You think there are 12 teams better in the country than Alabama? No, absolutely not. Wisconsin? Really? 10-3 and three, Wisconsin? Absolutely not. Head-to-head, Alabama would take Oregon, they'd take Baylor, they'd take Wisconsin, they'd take Georgia. Heck, they'd probably have a shot versus Oklahoma and Clemson, even banged up with Mac Jones starting at quarterback. 13, really? I think the committee has just been waiting for Alabama to have a season like this where they can finally say, okay, you're not the best team in the country. Here, we're going to shove you in the back of the closet. Here's 13. Have a good 
time at the VRBO Citrus Bowl. So, thanks, committee. Really appreciate that. I mean, the disrespect. Good heavens. All right, I need to bring my heart rate back down. Let's pick another topic. Hey, how about expanding the college football playoff? Where are you people out there that want to expand the college football playoff now that Alabama's not in it, right? Where are you? Make your voice known. You are all about wanting your team to get in the past couple years when they were ranked 6, 7, 8, maybe even 9 or 10, saying, hey, we need more teams. Now Alabama's not in the top four. And where are you saying, well, I think we should expand the playoff? You're not here anymore. It's that Bama factor. It's that Bama fatigue. You don't want the playoffs expanded. You're just tired of seeing Bama, and that's fine. I get that. I understand that. That's okay. But legitimately thinking, looking at the college football playoff and thinking that there are eight teams or even more. I mean, if you want to expand to 16, I think you're a lunatic. Maybe eight. No, I don't think so. But here's my reasoning. Increasing the playoff decreases the importance of the regular season. So then you're giving teams with maybe two losses, some even three, the opportunity to compete for a championship. You're telling me that a team like Wisconsin, number eight in the college football playoff, with three losses, deserves to compete for a championship with the likes of a team like LSU and Ohio State and Clemson who've just dominated their opponents all season long? No! No! A two-loss team shouldn't have a chance to compete for a championship. What makes the college football playoff special is it's the elite of the elite. And what made the BCS system special, it was the elite of the elite of the most prestigious because it was the best two teams in the country. And for those of you that think, well, more teams get a, you know, they get a shot or whatever. No. Each team has its shot every single week in the regular season to go 1-0 each week and to finish 12-0 and to compete for their conference championship and win their conference. You have your chance. Alabama had their chance. As much as I hate to say it, they blew it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't beat Auburn. Couldn't beat LSU. All right. This year, Alabama does not deserve to compete for a national championship, and they don't. So rightfully so, they're out of the playoff. So a team like Wisconsin, I'm just picking on them. Doesn't Baylor, Oregon, especially Georgia. I've already talked about Georgia, but they don't deserve a shot at competing for a championship because they are not one of the best programs in college football and didn't establish themselves as an elite team this year. So they shouldn't compete for a championship. They had their chance. They blew it. All right, moving on again. The coaching circus, a little bit more fun topic here. Folks, have you all seen this week what's been going on in the world of college football and coaches bouncing from place to place to place? How about this? Let's start in Boca Raton, Florida with Lane Kiffin and FAU. Lane Kiffin wins his conference, does a great job, has, you know, has had a successful couple years there and decides, you know, he wants to move on. So, Lane Kiffin goes to Oxford, Mississippi and replaces Matt Luke as head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Well, Matt Luke goes to Georgia after parting ways, being fired, whatever you want to say, from Ole Miss. Matt Luke goes to Georgia to be the offensive line and associate head coach at Georgia under Kirby Smart, replacing Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman is headed to Arkansas as head coach to replace Chad Morris for the Razorbacks. Chad Morris is going to Auburn as the offensive coordinator to replace Kenny Dillingham, and Dillingham took off for Tallahassee 
to work as the offensive coordinator for Florida State. So we're back in the state of Florida. Dillingham will work under coach Mike Norvell, who comes from Memphis. And to tie things up here in this little circle of life, Brett McMurphy reported that FAU is nearing a deal with Willie Taggart. Of course, Willie Taggart is the former Florida State head coach. So Taggart looking to replace Lane Kiffin. So if you want to hear that again, I suggest you rewind because I'm not going to go through the Kiffin to Matt Luke to Sam Pittman to yada, 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 yada. I mean, how about that circle? How about that interchanging circle? Good stuff. A lot going on in the coaching carousel in college football. So, oh, by the way, Mike Bobo stepped down at Colorado State after five years, and he's back in the SEC working as an offensive coordinator for Muschamp in South Carolina. A lot going on. And this is all in the beginning. There's going to be so many more coaching turnovers during bowl season, after bowl season, and the next couple months. So be on the lookout for that. Now, moving on to the Alabama bowl game, a quick preview of that. This is Alabama's third appearance in the Capital One slash Citrus Bowl. In 2011, the Tide got the win over Michigan State 49-7 after that disappointing 2010 season. And also in 1994-1995, the Crimson Tide got a win over Ohio State 24-7 in this bowl as well. So this third appearance in the Capital One slash Citrus Bowl for the Crimson Tide taking place January 1st against the Michigan Wolverines. Now, how has the Tide fared against Michigan? Well, they're 2-2 two and two in school history. Last time they played in 2012, the Crimson Tide won in the season opener to start that year in Dallas 42-14 and Alabama looking to build upon that this year in Orlando when they take on Michigan in the VRBO Citrus Bowl. So that's a small little preview for the Crimson Tide. And now what you've all been waiting for, the interview with Rick Carley on the Galloway Podcast. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Rick Carley and follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. If you have any questions, any comments, any concerns about the podcast, DM me. Let me know. I'm always open to hear them. Uh, But anyways, here's Rick on the podcast. Hope you folks enjoy it. Joining the Galloway podcast now is Rick Harley, the new co-host of WVTM 13 Morning News in Birmingham. Rick, of course, is a longtime sportscaster and a multi-Emmy Award winner. Rick, how you doing? Good, William. How you doing? I, I'm doing well. Finals are over and Christmas is right around the corner, so that is a cause for celebration. Yeah, no, it's a good time, man. I remember it seems like yesterday, man. You finish those finals, you get to go home and uh, try to suck a 50 bucks off your parents, and yeah, yeah you'll be all set. <laughs> Absolutely. Steal some gas money and everything. So That's right. Um, Rick, congratulations on your new job. Will you tell us more uh, kind of about that new morning news anchor job and kind of what the last year was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I joked with my wife. I said, you know, after 38 years as a sports anchor, I've turned into Regis Philbin, you know. Or, uh, but, um, no, it's, it's a really good opportunity for me. NBC 13, I eat WDTM 13, uh, NBC station in Birmingham, really, really good. Uh, they're owned by Hearst, which is a, a just a mega power. Um, they do beautiful work, and I'm, I'm really excited. They came to me a couple months ago and started to talk about the – possibility of my interest in being a morning show host and you know something good for me i'm, I'm not uh not a, a newbie anymore but i've been around the business for almost 40 years and you know maybe news is a thing to do that 
you know, the catch is got to get up real early, so I've got to right. adjust my sleep patterns because you start to use at four in the morning and go to about seven, uh, three straight hours before the Today Show, and that'll be some good day news too. But uh, hey, it's all good. You know, my kids are in college, and uh, my wife is uh, a lawyer who kind of does what she wants to do, and so uh, if there's a time for me to do this, this is it. So uh, I'm really glad I'm jumping on board. If there's a station I want to work at it, it's it's uh, Oh, absolutely. Well, Rick, you've been uh, 38 years in the sports business, and so um, as you make the adjustment to news, what is what do you think is going to be the biggest adjustment for you moving from uh, sports to news? Um, being a little bit more scripted, you know, especially anchoring sports for, for almost four decades. I was kind of a wild man. You know, you go off teleprompter and you ad-lib a lot. Well, you need to be careful in news, too. Not that you don't want your facts straight well being a sports anchor, but you be real careful from a legal perspective as being a news person. You know, they, you, you want to be trusted. You want people to, to watch you and think, okay, I, I believe what this guy is, is saying to me. You know, with all the, the fake news uh um, uh, lines going around the country. Uh, luckily, local news really doesn't have that problem. You know, people trust their local newscasters. Hopefully, I'm a familiar face, and they, they uh, viewers believe I've done a, a credible job over the years, and they'll trust what I tell them. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have some fun either. I'm working with uh, uh, Eunice Elliott, who is just really, really funny. She's a very talented lady, and uh, I just can't wait to get after it with her. And Stephanie Walker does weather up Barry Gustav and doing for about 20 more years. Carmen and the traffic. So they're all talented, uh, talented young people. So if they can put up with uh, a guy who's a little bit older, uh, we still got a pretty good motor, um, I think it'll work out really well. Well, Rick, we know you have a great motor and you've been doing sports for years, so let's go ahead and jump into the sports talk here. Uh, looking at the college football season, LSU finished at one and Jalen Hurts is making his fourth college football playoff appearance, um, his first one with Oklahoma. How would you analyze the way that the college football season ended this year? Um, a little bit to surprise. Well, with, you know, Alabama not making it for the first time in six years. You know, my disappointment with their ratings, whether they're ninth and they've been at 12th. And, you know, you, you know, if you tell me there's 11 teams better than Alabama the country, I'll tell you that you better go see a doctor. But that aside, I don't Absolutely. think too many surprises. You know, when Oregon lost, I kind of set the, the final four there. We already knew what the final four was before the final college football playoff selection show came out. Uh, you know, Ohio State is just that good. They're just loaded. A couple of Heisman Trophy candidates there in that team. And, of course, you know, uh, Oklahoma being the so-called weak link of those Final Four, uh, you know, you never know. The defense can, can hold up and they could make a run. Clemson, and not a lot of people giving them credit. It's quietly going along, planning to, to, you know, to win another one. And, you know, so, so who knows what's going to happen. You can't, you know, go without LSU, perhaps the best of the lot. So, uh, you know, can anybody stop Burrow? <laughs> great running back and you know who knows but you know i think it's wide open i like the matchups uh you know uh it, it just worked out a little bit more as expected this year what with a couple teams losing two games and then once you get down to 9 10th 11th you got teams losing three games so not a huge shocker the way it all played out yeah it was really interesting this year was the first year i think in a while that we kind of knew who the top four were there's always been a mystery of who's going to maybe grab that four spot or sometimes even that three and four spot. But we really knew going in this year, which was interesting, but the, the rankings as it fell after are a little bit questionable, as you mentioned. Um, Rick, you covered Alabama for so many years, and Alabama really hasn't had a season this disappointing since 2010 when they lost uh, two games in the regular season. But what would you say to Alabama fans 
who are so uh, some entitled, some expectant of just championships year after year. What would you say to those? What would your message be to those Alabama fans after this ten and two regular season? Yeah, I, I tell them to chill. I mean, as I, as I said to somebody the other day, if you lose two games, you're ready to drive off a cliff. I mean, you got to be kidding. I mean, you know, that tells you about the expectations that have been set. Expectations, not a favorite word of Nick Saban, but it tells you about the success. If you look back over the big picture, what, five championships in ten years, and what Saban has done, it's just incredible. So you lose two games, and everybody's going, what's wrong? And you have national pundits saying, all right, uh, Nick Saban is on his way out, and the dynasty is over, and but we've heard the dynasty is over talk before, so it comes back strong. I, I would not pay attention to anything like that. If, if you told me, if you're a Bama fan, you told me in 2006, when Mike Shula was the head coach, you win like five championships in the next 11 years. You're going to be crazy. And so I think you have to, you know, rewind a little bit from the year 2019 and think, come on. I mean, this is unbelievable. David. No, he said Saban doesn't recruit, he drafts. So he'll go up and draft some more five stars. He'll be in it again next year. I think he's got three, four, five years left to coach, too, before he goes to the lake. So, you know, enjoy what you've had. Relax, enjoy the playoff games this this January, and, and then uh, get ready for next year. I'm sure Alabama will be back. Yeah, absolutely. Alabama will be back. Saban doesn't plan on going anywhere, you know, in the, in the foreseeable future. Sure, he is, he is getting older, but... Alabama was just ridden with injuries this year, and, and unfortunate injuries at that. But, Rick, when you look at the bowl games this season, Alabama out of the college football playoff, as you mentioned, for the first time in, in the six-year history of it. Um, do the regular bowl games outside of the college football playoff in the New Year's Six, have they lost their luster and that kind of their appeal throughout the years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 10 years ago or something, you'd say, oh, get pumped up for the Sugar Bowl. And, and look at, you know, Alabama. You don't think Alabama, Michigan is important to Nick Saban because that you know just lose that game. See how important that is. You know, and as Gene Stallings said years ago, you don't think the Alabama, Louisiana Monroe game is big. Just lose to La Macarena and see how you're feeling. But with that said, I think from a national fan standpoint, once the playoffs have started, I think the bowl games have taken definite backseat. Not as important uh, uh, from a fan perspective, certainly as important uh, from a player and a coach's perspective. So from that player perspective, there's a lot of questions when you're not in a New Year's Six Bowl game or even a college football playoff bowl game that should you sit out the game if you're not, if you're going to the draft, such as a Jerry Judy, a Jedrick Wills, or Najee Harris. What, what is your take on should players sit out if they're not in the college football playoff? Well, I mean, I don't like it. I think once you buy in, you buy into the whole thing and, you you know, you you sign a contract, you serve the contract. I don't sign contracts. What am I saying? If you have a job and you sign a contract, well, you serve the contract. You decide to make a change. If you say you're going to play for Alabama, you play for Alabama. Uh, but, well, look, I understand it's a little bit different world now. They don't want to risk injury. They don't want something freaky to happen. And, you know, on the flip side, you could argue you could break your leg crossing the street. So, look, I think you... Maybe it's, it's me, the old-fashioned guy in me, but I say, you know, if you're playing for Alabama or Auburn or whoever, and you're not in a uh, playoff game, I think you still play play off the string and you, you play as hard as you can. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that That kind of – I wouldn't say it's old-school mentality, but you, you sign up to play and, and you start what you finish. And a lot of people look at the way you finish as opposed to the way you start. And so why not finish your collegiate career in – 
a fashionable way, you know, playing in a, in a game, even if it's not, you're not playing in the Sugar Bowl, you're not playing in the the Peach Bowl in Atlanta or whatever in the college football playoff. Um, yeah, right. I mean, what, what if you're, you know, uh, you know what, what kind of message would that send to your teammates? Say you're Jerry Judy, you know, he's playing or whatever, but if he's like, I'm not going to play, I don't want to, whatever, I'm getting ready for the draft. What's that send to all his buddies? Sweat. And, and bled with him. I mean, so I, I think uh, I think most team guys uh, in, in college football will play in these bowl games. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll have one or two, you know, because they're listening to the agents too much. Today, or their quote uh, future agents, <laughs> but uh, or their parents or some advisor. But I think most of them will buy into. Yeah, and absolutely. And as you mentioned, this Alabama-Michigan game—it's—it's it's a headline game. I mean, if you—if you said at the beginning of the year that Alabama would get the chance to play Michigan, you might have thought it was going to be in the college football playoff. But this is still a notable game uh, and significant for a lot of reasons. You look at Najee Harris and his recruitment came down to Michigan versus Alabama. You've had Jim Harbaugh chirping on Alabama and Coach Saban's dynasty, um, and so this is kind of the chance that Alabama gets to shut him up, you know, kind of put up or shut up type thing. Um, so this this will be a good game and there are other good bowl games you know Auburn um, and, and all these other teams getting great opportunities to play in the postseason so Rick when you look at the college football playoff and there's this talk of expansion do you think that expansion would be good or would it be appropriate for college football or would it even make it worse than it already is you know, I'm kind of split on that you know but you know, I'm all for eight but then you get eight and, and then you're, you're talking about the playoff field right right yeah, so but you know who knows? Then you're you got another week of games, and you know who knows? I, I think that you know I, I'd like to see more, just from a, a greedy standpoint, a greed standpoint. But you know, you talk to you know, listen to Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, and all the big wigs in, in college football. They're really not prone to do that at this point. So you know, I don't know. What do you think? You want eight or no? no absolutely not. I I mean, I think absolutely the not. the risk of injury. Um, the, the lack of significance. You look at a team like, like Baylor right now, yeah, I don't, I don't think they deserve to compete for a championship. I get the, the whole sentiment of the teams can compete and there can be an upset, but that's to me that beauty is found in college basketball, not college football. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know, the fatigue factor, and, of course, you, you get injured more when you're, you know, like when I go skiing, you know, I – when I when I, uh, when I I usually don't fall when I ski, but at four or five o'clock at night, when it starts to get dark, and you take a couple falls. Well, that's your body telling you, okay, time to go to the lodge. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I think it may be from a fatigue standpoint. Uh, some of these college uh, football players need that need that rest. Uh, yeah, I, I go both ways on it, but I see your point on the on the fourth. And and I I think one more point too I want to make here is there are a definite very you know good few teams in college football. Oklahoma got in by way of winning the Big 12, but you look at the elite programs this year, and it's the top three. And so seeing them have the chance to duke it out, and when you throw in teams like Baylor, or I would say even an undeserving Georgia to get another shot, I mean, with two losses, they shouldn't be five, but that's a different story. You know, the top four deserve to be in, and I don't think anyone else really deserves to be in at this at this point in the season. Well, there you go. Okay, so uh, I guess we can agree on that. Yeah. All right, Rick, last question before I let you go. Uh, will Tua go to the draft, and should he go to the draft this year? Um, you know, uh, you know, a month ago I said, you know, 90%. Now I'm like, maybe it's 60-40, Will. I think that hey, it, it, it's all a matter of if he's, if he's projected in the top 15, and I think he is. Isn't he projected between 
four and fifteen. I mean, I, I see some projections like the fourth or fifth still, and then I see some. Well, it's late first round, so he's got to decide if he's going to leave a lot of money on the table. But don't forget, a lot of NFL teams. There's a guy from Notre Dame who was seriously hurt after they, you know, they, they, he goes to the NFL and they almost redshirt him in the NFL. So he's, you know, making plenty of money. He's got his insurance. He's working with a professional quarterback coach, and he's getting ready for, you know, his first year. Looks like he's second year. So, so who knows? Would I like to see him come? I'd love to see him just to watch Tua for another year. It'd be fantastic. I'm not so sure uh, that's going to happen. Uh, you know, the other day when they had that news or other where the guy was going to make an announcement, I knew right then. I got a pretty good source close to that fan right now. Who tells you like this? Hey, he hasn't even talked with a family yet. Uh, so. Uh, at length when he's talking with family so right so so I don't know I would say it's probably 60-40 he goes but you know here's a tell my first year in Birmingham was 1989 and Saran Stacy, the former running back was making an announcement the following day so I called his brother I think or, yeah it was his brother and he said oh yeah he's going pro so I reported that on the late news of course the next morning he gets up in Tuscaloosa Meteor room says I'm staying. You know, so I mean, you just you just never know wow. until he actually steps to the microphone. Right. Because I mean, you could have a change of heart in the last day. Yeah. So you know, let's. Well, I said, like I said on Facebook and Twitter, just let him do. He's been through a lot. Let him make the decision and let's stay out of his business. You know, we'll find out when he's ready to tell us. Right? Absolutely, he will. And uh, Rick, appreciate appreciate you coming on the podcast. Look forward to watching you uh, in the in the mornings now on WVTM. Congratulations on the new job, and and thank you for your insight. You know where to find me, and uh, yeah, you got my show because that's a, hey. By the way, I'm coming to you from a Chick Fil A. That's why I'm a little noisy, but I did have the uh, I did have the number one. I had some uh, some fruit instead of fries, maybe saved a few calories there. So. Uh, I'll let you in on lunch. Well, there you go. That's that's what it's all about. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care. Hey, you know what they say? A little Chick-fil-A never hurt nobody, right? I'm going to have to grab a peppermint milkshake on my way home tonight. Those things are so good. But, hey, Rick, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much as well. Any feedback is uh, encouraged and appreciated for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rick. And breaking down a couple things now as we kind of move forward from the college football talk, we're going to move over to the hardwood and talk about Alabama basketball briefly. The Crimson Tide Alabama men's basketball team under Nate Oates is now 4-4. Most recently, they got a 78-68 win over Stephen F. Austin at home. That was last week. And Stephen F. Austin, of course, beat Duke the week before, so that was a big win for Alabama. Kind of a big mojo changer, too. Now, the schedule doesn't get any easier going into Penn State this Saturday at 1 o'clock. That game will be on the Big Ten Network because here's why. Penn State beat number 4 Maryland earlier this week. So Alabama's playing a team last week at home like Stephen F. Austin who beat Duke the week before. And now they're playing Penn State who just beat number 4 Maryland. Now, that's a challenge. I don't care who you are. Alabama's non-conference schedule has gotten, it was difficult to start out the season. And as the season has gone on and other teams have been playing other teams, it's gotten progressively harder because of the wins that these other teams have gotten. So Alabama's being challenged and they'll be ready when SEC play comes around here in just a couple weeks in 2020. Now, Alabama has to stay healthy. There's been guys sitting out of practice this week. I think Herb Jones and Alex Reese and Beetle Bolden. Beetle's got to get that hand healthy. 
But Alabama will be battle-tested by the time conference play comes around, and it all comes down to who's going to be healthy. So, looking at kind of the 4-4 four and four season Alabama's had so far, a lot of issues have been discussed and people talking about turnovers. Well, here's the thing. Alabama in four wins has averaged 18 turnovers per game and in the four losses have averaged 18.5 turnovers per game. So the issue does not lie in the turnovers. It lies in the defensive consistency, giving up 70, 71 points a game when you're winning and giving up, I think, somewhere around 85, 86 points a game when you're losing. Granted, we're only eight games in, but the issue here is not the turnovers on offense because those will solve themselves solve themselves over time. The issue is the defensive consistency, whether you're playing at home or whether you're playing on the road. And Alabama will be playing at home a lot this season, but home really doesn't mean Coleman Coliseum. The Crimson Tide is going on a state tour. Uh, the Tide will play Samford in Birmingham at the BJCC December 18th. That is an event put on by Night ED. You need to check that out in Birmingham. I think it's called the Chick-fil-A Classic. Be sure to be there, Birmingham fans. And the Tide will take on Belmont in Huntsville in the Rocket City Classic on December 21st. Be sure to check that out if you're up in the 256. And then Richmond comes to town back in Tuscaloosa December 29th. So three big games for Alabama coming up. Should get that win over Sanford. It'll be good for Alabama to have that in-state game. They've played teams like Jacksonville State and UAH, but getting a Birmingham team like Sanford is good for this Alabama basketball program. It's good for Sanford as well. And it's good for the fans in the state of Alabama, Belmont, and then Richmond. The 2020 SEC play starts January 4th in Gainesville. So no rest for the weary. Alabama starts SEC play on the road against a quality Florida team. That's going to be a tough one. Not counting Alabama out, not counting Alabama in, just saying that's going to be a tough game and a tough way to start a very tough SEC regular season slate in early January. That's the Alabama Crimson Tide Hoops review here on the Galloway Podcast. A couple more side notes before we part ways here on the podcast. Did y'all see the HBO special on Saban and Belichick? Holy cow. That was some of the best TV I think I've ever seen. If you didn't get the chance to see it Tuesday night, find an HBO account, create an HBO account, ask a friend, find this Saban Belichick documentary, set aside 75 minutes over the Christmas season, and watch it. It's as good, if not better, than a Christmas movie. I might start watching it every December instead of Elf or Home Alone. I mean, it was that good. And I'm not talking about the production. Production was wonderful. I'm talking about the content. What Coach Saban and Coach Belichick talked about and talking X's and O's and their mentality in football, I mean, unparalleled. The best two to ever coach the game, two of the best, Y'all, this is must-see TV. Must-see. Check that out. Saban and Belichick on HBO. Also, Garrett Cole to the Yankees from Houston. Did y'all see this? Nine years, $324 million. What in the world? Who, what, when, where, how, why? I want that money. You want that money. We all want that money. $324 million in nine years. What in the world? That's more than the Angels Stadium renovation cost. Thank you, Dakota Roush, for that fact. But, oh, my gosh, y'all, $324 million over nine years? He's making, like, over 
like $1,000 a pitch or something like that. I mean, unbelievable. Garrett Cole, remember the name. Also, Javian Cohen, offensive lineman out of Central Phoenix High School in Montgomery, committed to Alabama this week, vaulting the tide to number one in the 2020 recruiting rankings ahead of next week's early signing date. So a big get for Coach Saban and the Crimson Tide in this 2020 signing class is Javian Cohen. Coach Saban has spent so much of this last week and a half out on the recruiting trail, not having to play in the SEC championship. I'd say not getting to play in the SEC championship has allowed Coach Saban to hit the recruiting trail. He's been all over the country. He's been all over the state, and he's been able to pull talent like Cohen, who decommitted from Auburn, and he's getting other guys. The 2020 early enrollees are coming in. I think there's Eight to ten of those guys right now. There could be more depending on this early signing period. But guys that are coming are going to come in and enroll in January and start and do spring practice and off season and all that. That'll be big for Alabama. They do that every year. So we'll talk with Rodney Orr or somebody on a future podcast and get a breakdown on those guys. But JV and Cohen, the latest pickup for the Crimson Tide out of Central Phoenix High School in Montgomery. Hey, folks! Christmas season is here. And you need some Galloway Podcast merchandise. It's a great stocking stuffer. It's a great Christmas gift. I'm sporting right now a wonderful, comfy, fleece Nike Galloway Podcast black pullover. And courtesy of Suzy Q Designs, Sue Downey in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I want to check her out. She's made the koozies. She's made the hats. And she made a limited selection of pullovers. Folks, you don't want to miss out on this Galloway Podcast merchandise Check out Suzy Q Consulting for your Christmas gifts, for your stocking stuffers, Galloway Podcast hats, and Galloway Podcast koozies. You want those. DM me, contact me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway for information on how you can get that in those select merchandise items. In 2020, we're hoping to do some t-shirts and start out strong in January. This, a little editor's note here, this is the last podcast of the calendar year 2019 started this podcast in January and I really want to thank each and every one of you for listening I want to thank you for your support because this has gone so much further than I anticipated or imagined and I'm so thankful I'm blessed by each one of you for sharing for listening for caring and for supporting me and supporting the podcast I really truly appreciate it and Expressing that to you, I'm just so thankful. I hope each and every one of you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So, for the 2019 versions of the Galloway Podcast, I'm your host, William Galloway. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.